back to the Two Pointers Podcast. I'm Trevor Everett. Uh, I'm excited to hear to talk about uh, the NBA Christmas Day games. Uh, first of all, Merry Christmas. hope everyone had a great time this week. Happy holidays, whatever you might be celebrating. Uh, question of the day today, as you'll see on the board behind me if you're on YouTube, uh, let me know your favorite gift that you received. I'll show you guys mine really quick. Uh, I mean, I got plenty of great things. This might not be my favorite. My favorite NBA gift for sure, though, uh, the Mitchell and Ness Shout out to my mother-in-law. Uh, name engraved, Mitchell and Ness, Charlotte Hornets, throwback, flat bill, snapback. I forget all the terms for those, um, but super excited uh, for this gift. I- I'm going to wear this all the time in pods. If you get sick of seeing it, let me know in the comments. Um, we're going to talk about today, obviously, yesterday in the NBA series, I covered 60 seconds worth of the Christmas games, um, but I wanted to go a little bit deeper for us, the sake of a couple of things Uh Obviously, there's a lot of things you can watch on Christmas Day now, but I spent most of my day with my family and watching the NBA. I think there's a lot of good takeaways. Um, some of this stuff stems from the fact that, uh, first of all, I apologize, haven't covered the NBA like super, super thoroughly in terms of, you know, let me get every single thought out of my head of every single team. Being solo, I'm, I'm still learning the process and understanding how to do this. So I want to talk to you guys a little bit about all 10 teams that played on Christmas Day. So a takeaway of some kind uh, that stemmed from either Christmas Day or my thoughts over the last couple of weeks, months that we might have seen come to fruition on Christmas Day. Uh, a couple of things might be shocking. Some of these might not be just because I've been very vocal about some of these teams either on social media or on the time that I have talked about them on this podcast. So um Really cool thing, too, really quick before I get started. Uh, if you haven't uh, heard yet or haven't seen it uh, or don't didn't watch last week, listen last week, uh, totally fine. Um, I have partnered with W Energy to provide a energy supplement solution. Uh, my code is 2Pointers, T-W-O-P-O-I-N-T-E-R-S, 2Pointers, uh, or the link will be in the description below. Um, you can purchase some W Energy products uh, to kickstart yourself for the new year. If you're going to be working out uh, as part of your New Year's resolution, that's going to be mine. So um, W Energy provides some really great energy solutions uh, for you uh, if you haven't heard already. So... <clears throat> Uh, let's go and get started talking about uh, the Christmas Day game takeaways, uh, storylines, etc. Um, we'll start with Sixers, Knicks. I'll start with the Sixers, Knicks, Lakers, Mavs. Go from there. Um, I'll do away team, home team. You'll see the theme as we go. Um, Sixers, Knicks. The first thing with the Sixers that stuck out to me or that I wanted to discuss was James Harden, based on his play right now, uh, will not be the reason the Sixers flame out in the playoffs Unfortunately, for the sake of Sixers fans, you're going to hear this again. Maybe fortunately, if you believe me uh, or are in on this. Uh, shout out to Julian. But um, NBA report cards, him and I talked about how D for Doc, for Fire Doc Rivers or F for Fire Doc Rivers, whatever we ended up giving them. Um, James Harden's play right now has been exceptional. Obviously, he had 20-plus again last night and 14 assists. Um, obviously, Embiid's getting the ball really, really well in spots. Um, probably the best playmaker he's played with ever. Uh, that's no disrespect to Ben Simmons. It's just the level of play that James Harden's providing him right now. Um, and I have to say, for the sake of the way Philly's running their offense, obviously they just got everybody back healthy here in the last two weeks. Uh, Harden was out for the month. He had a couple guys in and out of the lineup. Obviously, Embiid's been fully healthy for the most part. James Harden will not be the reason that the Sixers are out in the playoffs because he's playing unbelievable now. People are going to sit here and tell me that the James Harden we saw in Houston – who did flame out in the playoffs after having a great MVP-type season uh, was the reason that they flamed out. I, I just don't see that happening again. The sustainability of what he's doing as a playmaker goes beyond his scoring ability, and they have enough talent around Embiid and him especially um, where they can 
figure out ways to win playoff games. The problem is how can they be coached in that situation? So um, Doc Rivers will be the reason, unfortunately, for the sake of Sixers fans. Um, but James Harden's play has been unbelievable. Like I said, emphasis on the playmaking. Uh, that's really, really important to know because – Obviously, if they have situations where they'll need a bucket in the playoffs, you've got two ways you can do it. You've got a three-level score in James Harden, uh, as well as you've got an MVP-type player in, in Joel Embiid who can pretty much fill it up anywhere inside of 10 feet, as well as stretch it out. So um, the Sixers are not going to uh, have any issues from James Harden, I hope, down the stretch. That is my not necessarily a prediction. This is just more so from what I've seen so far in almost three months of NBA basketball, 30-plus uh, games now, James Harden's playmaking ability will be a difference maker for them. Uh, let's go down here to the Knicks. Uh, this Knicks team, I don't want to spend forever on because they're just, quite frankly, they just disgust me. It's just so hard to watch that team. I'm just looking for R.J. Barrett and Quentin Grimes to have good games. Emmanuel quickly, too. I'm not as high of, on him as I was Grimes uh, or Barrett. But just the key emphasis there on um, the team as currently constructed doesn't make any sense, or maybe it's the wrong coach that I've been saying for three and a half months. Tom Thibodeau is not the right coach for this team as a young team constructed Defensively, sure, they're one of the top 10, 15 defensive uh, teams in the league. 15 would be just saying that they're the t a top half team, obviously. But I don't think Coach Tibbs is set up for success for this team and vice versa. I don't think this team is set up for success with Tibbs as the coach. Um, I do like that he's allowing the young guys to play, but that's because Derrick Rose has been in and out of the lineup, and they've had obviously no real major guard other than Jalen Brunson that they've been able to play that's any – older than 28 years old, so Tibbs has kind of forced a, a hand here with Quentin Grimes, who's played exceptionally well and deserves every minute of, uh, minute of the time he's had on the floor. So I just it's, it's, I hate to go two for two on coach firings here or coach, you know, picket fence riding, whatever you want to call it, but this team, just it's so hard to watch. The inside game that doesn't turn into the outside game, The it's just, I don't know. Randall's been really good, but... I don't know. As just as a believer in some of the guys on this team, it, it's just unfortunate. So um, I do think the Knicks are just hard to watch and as constructed. They don't make any sense, and they're a play-in team at best. All right, this one's going to hurt uh, as a Lakers fan, as you see behind there on YouTube. If you're on Apple, Spotify, uh, anywhere else that you might find your podcast, please subscribe, like, uh, and come over to YouTube and take a look as well. Uh, the Lakers, this team has no clue what they are doing uh, front office management-wise or no clue what they're going to do, excuse me, maybe other way around as well, um, in the offseason. And it's a sad way to see LeBron spend his final years in the league. I don't care what any of the reports are saying about they're hesitant to do this, hesitant to do that. No LeBron team has ever been hesitant. So it's going to come like a train into a brick wall or whatever, however you can stop a train, right? This train's not stopping. This train's going to run into a wall, and it's going to be abysmal. Uh, and no one's going to be happy for, with the result, whether it's trading Anthony Davis in the offseason or trading LeBron or figuring out some sort of resolution that involves some kind of pick swap. Of It just sucks. Like, it, none of this is going to end well, and this team on the floor is, is just is – just, honestly, it, they're just embarrassing. It's hard to watch. Obviously, you know, you see guys who – I don't know. I, I nothing against the winning Gabriels of the world and Juan Toscano Andersons, but this team stinks. And I mean, all the Patrick Beverly rumors that came out that were so random. I just I don't believe any of it. I think it's ridiculous. Um, there has to be some merit to it the way things uh, work now. But the Lakers team is hard to watch on the floor and off the floor. They have no idea what they're going to do, and it's going to be a really slippery slope over the next month if they can survive through January without moving those picks. And then we see what their future looks like uh, into February. I have no idea. I just don't think there's any reason to move Russell Westbrook at this point. Sure, he was a minus 30 last night uh, against the Mavs, but 
It doesn't mean he's minus 30 for the year. He's been an unbelievable six-man. Deserves to be in the candidacy for the award, quite frankly. Um, But he's not been able to help them continue to win basketball games with their 13-19 and record. Uh, That one hurts. So, uh, Mavericks. This team is currently constructed... uh, is a play-in team, but they're not capable of a, and they're not capable of a deep playoff run. So this team is currently constructed poorly. Um, I like the Christian Wood into the starting lineup addition. I do think that will help, um, but I just think giving your, you know, I saw a stat obviously like two weeks ago now, but um, prior to the week of Christmas, it was basically Luca had had the ball something like 25% of the entire game in his hand, usage rate wise. So that's just not sustainable. Obviously, there's ways uh, and. Look, you can win games with people like that. You can you can do things to help to help teams win with your star player and yada 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 and how things work around them. Hey, giving them the ball the most, but it doesn't always work, right? Like even with Dirk, I'm giving the Dirk wink wink here because they obviously gave him the statue. It was really cool to see. Um, they did beat the Lakers, so a win and a statue. It, everything was just perfect for Dallas that day. It went really well. But um, Merry Christmas to Mavs fans. But. The team constructed, uh, no one's hitting threes efficiently. Christian Wood, as a pick-and-roll player for Luka, needs to be just, it needs to, quite frankly, happen more. Um, It's starting to happen more and more every single game. Jason Kidd's starting to figure that out. Um, I like what Spencer Dinwiddie's providing, but outside of that, this team is not capable of making a deep playoff run. Uh, They'll be a play-in team, 7, 8, 9, or 10, of course. Um, I just don't see the way that they will work long-term. I don't know what the next year's moves looks like off-season-wise. We're too far away from that, unfortunately. Uh, all right, so that was Lakers, Mavs, Sixers, Knicks. Move on to Bucks, Celtics. Uh, the Bucks have solidified themselves as the second best team in the East, behind Boston, without Middleton or with or without Middleton, uh, and that's okay because they can still win the title. Obviously, Boston may have to lose before that, but we're looking right now at a Bucks Celtics Eastern Conference Finals in some form or fashion. However, that shakes out. Um, obviously, we're a long way away from it, but the Bucks are the second best team in the East, and that's okay because Boston is just that much better. We'll talk about Boston in just a second. Um, I, I, Middleton would not have made a difference in this game. The Celtics completely dominated them, um, but I'm not here to crap on the Bucks. What I'm here to do is make sure people understand that no matter Middleton in or out of the lineup or not, he played obviously last time was the 15th of December, just coming back from his injury five days, five games in, excuse me. Um, but the Bucks, they're going to be fine. Like they're going to get into shape here. They're always a team. They've literally every single year since the new GM took over in 2019, they've made a move at the deadline every year. And it won them a title a few years ago, right? So the Serge Ibaka move out there, Joe Ingles, et cetera, obviously they already have Joe Ingles, but that's the type of guy that they would get in that market. Um, I don't see any reason the Bucks can't just figure out a way to solidify themselves around their big three there. And, and just, they're they're a great defensive team. They're scoring a million points. They're beating people. They're the second best team in the East. Who cares, right? Like, it's one of those things you just have to kind of let time have its course here. Um, and the Bucks are still a, a title contender, and people need to not overreact to that. Also, Giannis is the best player in the world. It's close, though. Uh, the Celtics, having Robert Williams back changes the entire dynamic of this team on both sides of the ball. Um, only 13 mem- minutes for him, unfortunately, against the Bucks. Um, but at that point, it was probably a blowout in and out of the lineup. Uh, but his two total rebounds were both offensive, which I think is huge for them. Uh, he brings a presence that Al Horford uh, isn't able to do offensively. Al Horford, in his day, was a great offensive rebounder. I'm not discrediting him whatsoever for that. Uh, but just to be transparent, Robert Williams right now, at the stages of careers they're in, is the better offensive rebounder, and he provides a spark for them uh, on offense. 
in that regard, Al Horford obviously is a capable defender and defensive rebounder. But um, he had a block, obviously, and then also uh, he was three for four from the field. So obviously having a strong body to throw at Giannis, that's that's not like a big difference or change. You could throw as many people as you want at him. Blake Griffin's going to take the brunt of that first hit pretty well as well. But just overall, Grant Williams is the best guy for that, obviously. Um, but just having to be able to s- switch on defense and be able to switch on offense uh, in the pick and roll how they want with Robert Williams is really, really nice to see. I really enjoy the Celtics. I mean, they're just beating the crap out of teams. Tatum and Brown deserve to be all-star starters themselves. If you haven't seen that TikTok uh, video, check it out uh, or on any other platform I posted it on. But um, my all-star starters are listed in there. I'll talk about those closer to when voting starts to get concluded and we see uh, who I think the starters who will be snubs. We'll talk about that later uh, in the year. But the Celtics are just kicking people's butt, quite frankly, and they deserve every bit of the credit they're getting. Robert Williams is coming back at the perfect time. Just before the All-Star break, obviously, we're going to see him play a few months, uh, or a few weeks, excuse me, uh, before that All-Star break in early February. Still the title favorite as well in the East. The Grizzlies-Warriors. Uh, the first thing on the Grizzlies here, uh, the Grizzlies are just coming into form after getting Desmond Bain back after a month off. Um, and have nothing to worry about. I don't care about one loss to the Warriors in a rivalry type of game where the Warriors were fired up regardless, uh, missing Steph, missing Andrew Wiggins. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the Grizzlies have nothing to worry about. They're one of the deepest teams, if not the deepest team in the NBA. Um, They had four DNPs for some guys that, quite frankly, should be playing or would be playing on any other roster. Maybe I'm saying that as a guy that believes in some of these guys, but just to pull up the roster here for a second, like obviously Ja played his 40 minutes. He had 36 points. He did everything he could. Dylan Brooks had a, you know, subpar Dylan Brooks type of game. Obviously, he's a hot shooter type of guy. He won for six from three, four for 12 from uh, the field. That's not always going to happen. Somebody's going to step up eventually. Desmond Bain only playing 24 minutes. Steven Adams only playing 21 minutes. But like I said, one of the deepest teams, not a single player in this game, played less than 14 minutes, right, all the way down to Zaire Williams. Didn't play Kennedy Chandler. Didn't play Jake LaRavia, David Roddy, uh, Xavier Tillman. This team's 14 deep. It's nuts, right? These guys can all play. Uh, not necessarily deep down into a playoff series. I will find that out, obviously, later in the year. Uh, but the Warriors uh, just were a tough matchup in this case, right? Had a lot of guys that were getting open shots uh, in ways that they wanted. And this, like I said, this is a rivalry type of game. This was a competitive atmosphere that is going to be tough for any team to play, regardless of who's in or out of both lineups. So uh, the Grizzlies have nothing to worry about. This is more of like a let's just breathe, take a moment, I'll exhale on the Grizzlies because everything's fine, right? Um, I have no, I have no doubt in my mind the Grizzlies will will be fine. Even as a young team, they're gonna, you know, the young team label is only gonna last a few more years. But I do think they can win a play, couple playoff series like they did last year. So nothing to worry about in Memphis. Shout out to Chris Vernon. Uh, the Warriors uh, don't have much on because obviously Steph's injury, but him being out and Wiggins being in and out uh, is actually good for the young guys. I think this is going to be really good, valuable playing time. Uh, obviously, we saw a 30-minute or 29-minute performance from Poole, who ended up putting up 36. He's been awesome in Steph's absence, and he obviously is warranted of every bit of those quotes. Um, or we can say that there are warranted for everything he said about how people guard him on the second unit like he's Steph. Well, he's playing in the starting unit with no Steph. How does that work out? He's dominating teams, quite frankly. Um, I've never been a Jordan Poole you know, truther by any means, but... Uh, he's been unbelievable. He shot the ball efficiently and getting any touch that he wants at any point, anywhere, and he's making it. Um, but Jordan Poole played 29 minutes, the point about the young guys playing. Uh, James Wiseman only had eight minutes. The pick-and-roll uh, ability there is going to be more seen, hopefully, uh, if he plays more than eight minutes. 
Moses Moody is the most capable defender currently, uh, 17 minutes, and then Jonathan Kaminga, the guy that I have, was high on in that draft as well, is still high on to this day. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga had 16 minutes, but uh, these guys should be playing more. Ty Jerome, I think, played 20 minutes, uh, whatever, right? Like they, they should be playing these guys plenty, uh, getting them in the rotation, especially against another young team in the, in the Grizzlies. It makes no sense not to, right? Get them the experience. They're going to you know win or lose these games half the time, so – it's it's just frustrating to see how they don't play Wiseman more, how they could be playing Moody and Kaminga more, right? Maybe if the matchup sets don't make any sense, but like I said, with somebody like the Grizzlies, who's super fast, plays in transition really well, but can also stop and play half-court defense uh, really, really well, why not play some of these guys that can hit capable shots in the full court uh, when they're running, right? Um, the Warriors in that case are who I'm talking about. But uh, no Steph, no Wiggins. I think this is really, really good for the Dubs despite the loss, uh, or despite the win uh, without him. Suns Nuggets to cap off. This game was unbelievable, right? This is not here to talk about the games necessarily, uh, but this game was insane. Obviously, uh, part of my point with Phoenix is that they're going to be fine, uh, but they need to figure out how to get Booker healthy, um, whether it's an extra couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, as a Devin Booker owner in fantasy, I'm not happy about that, but um, I can survive for a few weeks without Devin Booker if it means he's going to be healthy for the playoffs when he's going to be needed by the Suns most, as well as when he's going to look his best and put on a show for the playoffs. Uh, Monty Williams does deserve a great bit of credit for figuring out uh, what to do in these uh, different moments where the lineup might have some continuity issues there um, and having to fill a role quickly. He's had great performances or had great spots for Landry Shamit, Damian Lee, Josh Akogi, um, big minutes from the Suns. But, that game showed you a little bit against Denver, uh, who's one of the most insane offenses in the NBA right now, almost historically good, right? Um, this, the Phoenix is fine. They're going to be able to figure it out. They're a lot deeper than people gave them credit for uh, in and out of the lineup with injuries. They're just coached well. They're super deep. And quite frankly, they're experienced. They know what they're doing. They have Chris Ball, who's playing a, a, another all-star type of year, um, despite being in and out of the lineup for about 10 games or so with that calf injury. They're going to be totally fine in the West. Um, they're going to be a contender out there. Uh, and what is going to be seen as a bloodbath and is currently a bloodbath. Um, the Suns, I'm not going to sit here and overreact like a lot of people might uh, come the day after Christmas on Talking Head shows. Lastly, this is the whole reason I wanted to do this show, the Nuggets. I wanted to get this out even though I think it's a little early and I do want to talk about it in detail come closer to the All-Star break when it's the midseason award time. Uh, but the stupid voter fatigue narrative will be the only reason that Nikola Jokic doesn't win MVP or won't be in the strong consideration for or the final three voting, whatever they want to call it now, for MVP to complete the three-peat. It's ridiculous that he is basically being held back against his will on the fact that he's won two in a row already, but he's continuously shown us that he can get better every year in some facet. This year, he's a more capable offensive uh, player in terms of playmaking. And you're probably thinking, how the heck has he done that? He's had Jamal Murray back. He's had Michael Porter Jr. back, regardless of how bad his shooting has been. He's been getting the ball to them in their in their spots better. Uh, their pick and roll, uh, Jokic and Murray, has been unbelievable. They're the third best offensive rating team in the league. Uh, they're a top five team in pick and roll offense. It makes no sense to say that he can't be a three-time MVP. Olympiad's playing great, right? He's missed, obviously, a handful of games. That's going to hurt him when Jokic has played basically every game this year. Um, I don't have that number in front of me, but he hasn't had a major injury or major reason to miss time. Um, Embiid's been playing insane. Obviously, Harden's been a huge success there uh, as well next to him. But 
Jokic has only gotten better. Like the fact that his offensive potential has gotten better um, is insane. But his impactful defense, like he's not in that same like nerd stat, whatever you want to call it, Raptor stat, all of that stuff that had him as like this otherworldly generational defender, which by the way, those stats were true. Those stats were correct, whether you feel that way or not about them. Um, they're true statements. Like he is a capable if not above average or elite. However, those numbers added up. He was an elite defender last year, right? Um, he hasn't been necessarily that as well um, with a little bit more uh, focus on the fact that Michael Porter Jr. is back in the lineup. He's a defensive uh, liability. But Jokic has been able to be a better defender in space and at the rim because he's got the type of guys around him that can play capable defense back. Jamal Murray's not a, by any means a subpar defender. Uh, KCP's there now. Aaron Gordon's been playing like an unbelievable player. Got to give him his flowers. Averaging 17-plus. Had the dunk of the year offensive foul. I Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. If you want to find the clip, it was fine. Uh, it should have probably not been offensive foul. But uh, Aaron Gordon's been playing unbelievable. All, probably all-star reserve or all-star injury replacement for somebody in the West with already a pretty... I'm trying to be careful how to say this, but already pretty lackluster forward selection. I, I voted Larry Markin, if you didn't see it. Uh, I voted Larry Markin and over Anthony Davis because of the injury. That's just fair at this point where we are. Larry Markin has been an all-star, and Anthony Davis is hurt. So it is what it is. Um, the forward spot in the West is pretty, pretty loose uh, for the ability to pick all-star guys. Uh, don't get me started on the guard position, though. Um, but summing up and shoring up the thing around Jokic, uh, this guy this year, and or just in the last week, really, obviously, other than this year, um, just in the last week, I'm going to read a couple of stat lines. Um, didn't win player of the week, by the way. Luka went 3-1-1 and one and one, uh, player of the week in the West. But uh, the Joker had 40 points, 27 rebounds, and 10 assists. 13 points, 13 rebounds, 13 assists. 29 points, 8 rebounds, and 11 assists. And then he had uh, yesterday against the, the Phoenix Suns. 41 points, 15 rebounds, 15 assists. Didn't win player of the week. Luka had a 3-1 record, averaging 30-plus, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. Great numbers. Don't get me wrong. Shouldn't have been player of the week. Uh, four Nuggets wins, uh, four insane performances, and only two rebounds away from four triple-doubles for Nikola Jokic. So um, this is me. Obviously, actually, I'm doing my best Josh impersonation, if you remember Josh uh, on the show uh, from the last couple of months here. But uh, I'm doing my best Josh impersonation, giving Nikola Jokic his flowers because he fully deserves it. It is what it is. Uh, let me know your thoughts uh, on some of the takeaways from these teams or your takeaways on these teams um, throughout uh, this episode in the comments below. If you're listening on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, post notifications, all of that stuff. Uh, is super good. Uh, I'm looking forward to releasing. This is my announcement telling you this publicly. Uh, by the time you hear this, you may hear one more pod before the new year. Uh, if not, by the time you're listening to this and it's January 1st, you will see my 2023 NBA draft first round big board will be live on my website, uh, the two pointers podcast.com. Looking forward to giving you guys that draft content as well as some more draft content coming up in the next couple of months um, leading up to the draft. So looking forward to talking about it more. Uh, two pointers podcast or the two pointers podcast.com. Um, all the links in the description uh, where you can like, subscribe, uh, follow on all the social medias. Thank you for the support over the last couple of weeks. I'm recording this on December 26, 2022. Um, today is officially the two year anniversary of the two pointers podcast. So thank you very much uh, for all the support over the last two years. It's been unbelievable. Uh, I'm forever grateful for all the support on the show. Uh, don't forget to check out W Energy, link in the description, or two pointers in your cart at checkout for 10% off uh, your order. 
Uh, I think that's it for me. A lot of stuff at the end there to plug, but just wanted to make sure uh, that it got it in there. If you guys support the show, please continue to do all that stuff efficiently. I greatly appreciate it. Um, let me know in the comments your favorite gift that you got this Christmas, basketball or otherwise related. So um, thank you for listening today. Thank you for watching. This has been the Two Pointers Podcast. I'm Trevor Everett. We'll see you later. Thank you.